remember how we're gonna have intros in the podcast? Yeah, but why do I have to do the intros? <laughs> like, it's it's your channel. I'm too shy <laughs> to do it, so I can't. But, like, at what point did I go from regular guest to co-host? Because <laughs> I, I wasn't informed about any... <laughs> I wasn't informed of any of this. It's in your non-existent contract. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you're my German, I'm your moon presence. It's not a healthy relationship. And now you can't escape. <laughs> you, you imply as if there was a healthy relationship at the beginning of this. Uh. Oh. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> My boyfriend is throwing shade at you, Richie. Yeah? Yeah, he's like, Rich is full of excuses. Oh. <laughs> oh. <sighs> okay. Okay, we won't do an official intro. No, we can do an official intro. We'll make this the intro. Yeah, yeah, this this will be the intro, but at some point you gotta be like, Oh, this is Rich and Sen listening to the snack cabinet. <laughs> Wait, sound like what that. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. It's so good to see all of you. <laughs> And our special guest is Monkey! Our special guest! <laughs> this is me being shy, okay? I can't. I can't. If this is your shy, I wanna see your freaking, uh. uh <laughs> what is it, extrovert? <laughs> no, cause it is me shy, cause I'm like turning away from the microphone so you guys can see. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even in person. There's no need to turn away from a microphone. Richie, 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 tell yes. Loki I'm very bad at this. I'm very bad at presentation. I think it's it's very it's clear at this point that you're very bad at presentation. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! Oh, shade is being thrown left and right today. <laughs> this is the great reunion. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, a little enthusiasm, please. We have a fucking okay. guest, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good intro. Did you miss this? Did you miss this part of your wick? Um. Well, I was I was editing footage for the whole time anyway. What was it? Oh my! <laughs> was that Corvo? Oh yeah, it's Corvo throwing bottles at me. <laughs> it's like stop being mean to Richard, Mom. Yeah, <laughs> he's a good cat. Okay, yeah. Sorry. So you were recording. Uh, you were editing footage this whole week. Yeah. What kind of footage? Well, video footage, obviously. I fucking hate you so much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, you know what this question means, Richie. Answer the question. Yeah, I, I am making new videos for my channel. That's what I've been doing. Yay! Yeah. Well, no, no. Why are you making this about you, Richard? All of a sudden, we have Loki on. This is about Loki. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. Just, just, I'll just blend into the background.
Just look at this avatar. It it's it totally doesn't stand out. <laughs> Which one, your Velka thing or whatever this is? What is the face on the Velka? Oh, it's from a series called Oremo. Uh, uh, my little sister can't be this cute. Um, and it's actually got a funny story behind it. I was when I first made the account, I was thinking, okay. I don't want to be a channel that's taken too seriously. Like I don't like don't want people to be like you know like I don't want to attract all the edgy crowd or something like that. So my I was like okay so how can I like kind of just I like, have a little bit of a, a twang to it. I was like okay so who's my favorite character? Okay Velka. Okay so that's 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 pretty basic. So what do I can do with that? Okay what if Velka was a Sundere little sister? Aww. Who was totally obsessed with porn games? Like, what if like that was Velka? And I was like, okay. So then I I got one. I put that face on there, and I was like, okay, Low we're key. done. This is a clean channel. Oh oh oh, sorry sorry sorry. <laughs> Arrow games there. No one will understand it. So <laughs> get past the censors. <laughs> All right. Before the YouTube robot police come after you. Yeah, the clean police of the Sinclair Discord. Saw those bots like be like, "Oh my God, he said porn." <laughs> Delete the channel. Three copyright strikes <laughs> automated. Oh my God, I haven't gotten any copyright strikes lately, which is pretty cool. Lately, that's that's a good sign. Yeah, because sometimes Richie and I get copyright strikes, but it's on like things we say. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what, do you like make a reference and they're like, oh, you made a reference, you need permission for that. No, no, it's literally like, hi, Richie, how are you? Copyright strike, actually, you're like singing classical music. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. YouTube is so stupid sometimes. Yeah. So, Loki, oh. since yeah. the last time you were here, everybody was all like, yay, Loki, yay, translations, everyone loves you, bro. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. That's that's enough. That's better than being ignored, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so I was like, Richard, we have to have Loki back. And Richard was like, no, I don't like him. And I was like, listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. And um, so you're, you're back with more translations. Yay. Yay! And we got people asking the questions from the yeah. first now, so <laughs> yay! Okay, so do you do, do you guys want to start? Start what? <laughs> this is I'm I'm awkward and shy. Wait, it's because you see Richard asked me to do the intro and I'm still not over it. <laughs> I'm like sweating. Never live this down. <laughs> There's like buckets of sweat right next to you at your seat. Like, <laughs> like I'm not even joking. Like, look at my palms, Richard. Look at them. Are you holding them up to the microphone? Well, to the monitor, because that's where oh, okay. your avatars are. So okay. I'm showing your avatars my palms. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get straight into it as yeah. far as the topic is, because I think the first two questions they're kind of they're kind of related, and they can kind of be like amalgamated into one giant answer so i think that's a good one to to start on mm -hmm. so uh that's the silly questions yes okay yeah. so princess shook asked um richard do you want to read it i'm bad at reading 
what are the in-universe implications of fire warping? I assumed it was a gameplay mechanic, but Frida tells you to do it to get out of the painting. Given that we never see another way out of the painted world of Ariandel, are NPCs capable of doing it? So that's actually, I think, a, a good question as far as because it goes to a fundamental part of like when we talk about Souls lore is sort of, okay, what is just a gameplay mechanic? What is just lore? And what is when the two kind of intersect yeah. and it gets blurry and trying to determine, okay, how much was this done for gameplay and how much was this done to lore? Because sometimes, sometimes there is a case like, say, um, some of the basics would be, of course, we have a menu screen and we're like, okay, well, we, we just... We'd never even think about it. We're like, yeah, menu screen. Yeah, that's not happening in the Dark Souls universe. Yeah. Like, no one's just opening their screen randomly. <laughs> or, like, a giant screen just suddenly appear behind their, them and had do all this shit, and they just, like, magically just stand there, and they suddenly have weapons and armor apparate in their hands. Um, but, like, we kind of live with that idea that there's a segregation, and sometimes they mingle, but we don't think about it. But when we discuss the lore aspect, it's important, because a lot of times we get into these questions of, okay, is fire warping just sort of that gameplay mechanic so we can get around places faster and it, it really isn't relevant, or is it actually something that exists in the lore? And my conclusion is, it is... It is a it is something that does exist in the lore, but the way it's been implemented has always been... Um, at least in Dark Souls 1, it was something that was sort of a bit arbitrary. Yeah. Uh, so we, as as I think most, I think all of us may know for, off the top of our heads, the Dark Moon Nidus mentions that the all the fire, all the bonfires are linked and they're connected. And even in the Japanese text, that's pretty straightforward in the same way, and that they are all they the none of the firekeepers may be able to ever meet each other, but those bonfires aren't just individual stations; they're also part of a larger network we could call it, and that network is then how we are able to go through and in in Dark Souls one we we acquire the Lord vessel and then we're allowed to get the the ability to warp and then we're allowed to warp around, yeah. My perspective on that is that I believe that lore-wise, it's closer to how it's done in 2 or 3, and we would be able to warp around anywhere, but obviously because of the way Dark Souls 1 was designed, the idea you explore on your own, I believe that they purposefully just threw it in after you get the Lord Vessel as an arbitrary requirement, because that's when, it, it one, it becomes necessary, because there's some boss arenas you can't get out of once you enter without being able to warp, and two, because it become, things begin stretching out so far in the map now that it just becomes really, really yeah. inconvenient to not have that type of fast travel. So for my, my answer to that would then be, okay, so why is it that we can warp in the first place? And the idea is because the idea of warping is basically teleportation. So it's like, okay, so we're, we're moving through spaces in extremely quick, short amounts of time. And that connects into the general idea of fire and light, because... When when the universe first existed, there was just existence and non-existence. We had rock and fog, and then fire added put fire put existence in context because now there was no longer it just was there was it was being and it continued and it changed. So that so by its inception, fire created time because now there was space in progression, and that that time is of course how we measure that progression. So then, by na but of course, as we understand, as we understand it to our, in our own reality, that that time and space are interconnected to some degree. You you of course because 
space because space ex has to progress therefore it has time and therefore vice versa if there is time there is some space that is progressing so there becomes this interesting link that happens and it's not just light it also is true for the dark and it seems like light seems to take the space time from the time angle and then the dark seems to have the opposite where it seems to largely approach things from the space angle i've noticed Right, and that seems to be where, and then of, and but both end up kind of overlapping and intersecting in their own fields of magic because they're still based on the same core principles and they're they're interlocked still, and warping is just sort of an extension of that through fire. Now, bonfires themselves are. It's hard to determine what bonfires exist in the Dark Souls universe because it's part of of a of a larger checkpoint system, because I we all sort of go from. One bonfire, then we light another one, and okay, now we have a checkpoint there that we can always move for. But how many of those bonfires exist? Now, we know in Dark Souls 3 they were exploring the idea of maybe you just making your own bonfires. So was that something that they were going to add to the lore, or did they cut it because it wasn't lore-friendly? That's, that's another important question. But we know at least in Dark Souls 1 there were three bonfires we can say for absolute sure exist, and those are the three bonfires with firekeepers. Yeah. Um... And it's not clarified if a bonfire in lore would be able to exist without a firekeeper. The closest we can get to that, in, in Dark Souls 1 at least, was with Solaire, because we see Solaire in An Orlando is sitting cross-legged right next to a bonfire as if like he's sitting in front of it. Yeah. But for all we know, Solaire could just be sitting in an empty room just chillaxing, and that bonfire isn't actually canonically there. They just thought of it because it was a nice image and it had a cool, cool aesthetic. Um, so that's sort of where I am on, on, on that angle. And as for f specifically the painted world, it's, there definitely is, Frida makes this mention in the lines about how the fire is currently disappearing of the bonfire, but it's still there and you can still use it. Mm. And we know that there are undead like Gale that are in the painted world. So it would be conducive if you're going to have undead in your in your in your country to have bonfires for those undead to kind of manage their curse. And then so that that's a good ex that, so that's a, a solid explanation on why there would be bonfires there as for um what sh if there's other methods besides the bonfire to get out. I would say yes if only because Sullivan was a young sorcerer it's been a few decades since then when we meet him. So clearly he, he and it's clearly he's not just some undead who just would take the bonfire out of the painting and teleport to whatever. So it seems like there would have to and obviously we jump in Dark Souls 1 we jump off a ledge and then we end up outside the world. So it's clear there has to this world isn't just like if you don't got a bonfire you're stuck. So that's all I'll say for now. Yeah. Comments, thoughts. Well, the the way that they're linked makes me think of the Archstones and Demon Souls. The way that there's there's the Nexus and then there's the Archstones yeah. that are they're all linked together, sort of holding everything together. Linked and to in the, the Nexus. project, I make a point about that that because the way that we have these individual beacons, and mm. then there's the fact that they are connected in a network, and we're able to therefore access any single area that we're at least aware of in the network from there, because. Theoretically, if we could have always warped in Dark Souls 1, we could have avoided all the trials and gone from Firelink Shrine to the Dark Moon Nidus. Yeah. But we don't because we don't know that it exists and we don't know where we'd be going. Even when you have the Lord Vessel, there's about more than half the bonfires you still can't warp to. 
there's only a specific number you can actually warp to. Yeah, and it yeah. seems to be to be to some extent possibly arbitrary. Like, well, we know we know it was arbitrary because they patched a bunch of them in later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's clear that they do, they don't really decide, and they did the similar thing with um, um, not was it, was it um, there was an item too where they gave a cursed stone, I think, to the female merchant. Yeah. Um, to help with some of the curse issues. So there definitely are instances where sometimes they will add items that, sure, it's not like they're lore-breaking, per se, for that person to have them, but it's not really well thought out at the time why they would have them. And the remaster um, changed a couple of items as well. They they actually added a bonfire, and they... Um, yeah, I, I recall they added one in Vamos's room. Yeah, too, they yeah. added a bonfire in Vamos's room, and they, they gave the dried finger to the merchant in Undead Burg. Yeah, which was a weird choice, I think, because there really isn't any connection between him, but I get yeah. why. It seems like they just, and it's like, it's like, what, did he meet a Corvian, and it was like, he killed a Corvian, and it's somehow, mm. like, it's definitely something that you could tell they just did it, because it was like, oh, it's an early game guy, he's a he's a guy who sells weird knickknacks yeah. that he steals from houses, maybe one of those people had them. And, and they, okay. they wanted, just, like, that level of online from the beginning, so obviously they give yeah. it to that guy, yeah. Yeah. So it's clear, and uh, and if someone were to tell me, okay, well, which one should we look at canonically? I would say, well, look at the original game canonically because that's where it was originally intended to be in the first place. Yeah, because the it's the one that actually fits in the context. And the remaster wasn't was was outsourced; it wasn't internally. Yeah, yeah. definitely. That's another thing is a lot of people will think mm, we talked about this when it came to the new comic um, as well. Is that a lot of the outsourced material? Um, how much of it can be considered reliable. And it seems <laughs> increasingly obvious that if it's not even done by From Software, it's probably not something even worth paying attention to. <laughs> yeah, because Dark Souls Remastered isn't the same thing as Scholar of the First Sin, which was internally From Software. And then it's even advertised as the definitive edition. Yeah. We fixed all our fuck-ups, kind of. We promise. Yeah. So, like, there's definitely there's definitely different intentions going into that. Um, another idea that's really interesting, I think, that when we get into... And I think it's connected to the next question, and that question was... Um, let me see... The Dark Sign uh, and Bonfires. The Dark Sign and the Bonfires. Yeah. What's the connection between the Dark Sign and Bonfires? Why does it teleport us back to the last bonfire rested at? The only can I can think of is the flaming ring around the gaping hole... Possibly the pus of man. Remember, we lost all souls for traveling back. Are we reborn? If yes, how? This could only possibly work if our main character is in fact an accumulation of dead people, but this seems only, if at all, to be possible for the Ashen One. And they talk about a theory. So for just that portion, there's the talk about, okay, so what's the relationship between the dark sign and the bonfires and us us teleporting back to the bonfire when we die? And I, I go back to my point that it's connected to that checkpoint system. Yeah. And that Dark Souls mechanics are revolved around a checkpoint system where there are arbitrary bonfires which don't necessarily exist in lore. They exist simply because that's where they want to have a checkpoint. And then the question becomes, okay, so <clears throat> does that mean then that there's only three bonfires in the Dark Souls 1 world, say, with the three firekeepers, and those would be the only ones we could actually teleport out of, and everything else we'd have to just assume our character somehow got around without ever using them? Uh, possibly, but the, the, the core issue would still be determining, do we respawn? Like, as far as, like, do we, like, does our character die, and then uh, the body and us somehow teleport to the bonfire and my answer is no most definitely not um 
one of the biggest reasons would be that the Crestfallen Merchant outright tells us what happens with the bodies that are hollowing. He talks about how um, he steal his, his wares are stolen from the those that have fallen in Sen's fortress, and he outright says that what he does is he goes up to the bodies, he strips them of their belongings, and then he kicks them with them, and he makes sure he does this before they go wake up and they go hollow. Mm. So what we're having here is that most fans just assume, oh, okay, whenever I die, I, I, I just, everything respawns, everything resets, and then I get to go through it again. And no, that's not how it is canonically. Canonically, our character may not even necessarily die that much at all, or at all, in Dark Souls 1, in the, in the way that it's done, because from Sen's Fortress, let's say, we died from against the Snake Men. Well, what are the Snake Men, what are the snake men doing? Well, the Snake Men are supposed to drag us into cages and lock us up, and then later they'll take us over to Seath's archives, because then they'll lock us in the prison and we'll be used for his experiments. That's the whole, that's the whole system they've got set up there. That's what happened with Logan, with either he, he ran out of energy or something to that effect, and then he's put in another cage. And then that's what's happened to a lot of those who they've died and they've ended up becoming hollows. They don't go back to a bonfire. And the thing is that if we assume respawning is a canonical aspect of the game, then why aren't bonfires literally death traps, the worst in the entire Soul series? You would never want to ever be near one. Because yeah, everyone would be respawning speaking, at them. Yeah, yeah. all the hollows yeah. would be respawning there and you would die and go crazy. So no, the per we can't really go with we can't work off the assumption that okay, respawning is a thing in this universe. No, what happens is you die, you fall down, and then you wake back up later, and you're kind of a, you find yourself you're kind of looking dead. You're and you're like, oh god, I'm lucky. I somehow didn't become an, a wake up as an insane monster right away. I got some time left. So that's, that's what happens that's with Oscar in the asylum. Because you find him, right. he he dies on screen, he fades away, and then when you go back, he is hollow, but he's in the same cell. Yeah, yeah. same boss, same enemy, same same body. Say for instance, and that's the thing is that the whole like our bodies disintegrate or they disappear or why dis like that, that isn't really relevant, honestly. It's it's done largely, and a part of this question, I think, if I if I look back at it for another part of that question that the, that was asked, uh, let me see if it's here. Right. Uh, why do we lose our souls? That seems to be central to traveling back. Why does the Age Feather and Homeward do the same thing without the soul losing part? Do we actually travel back or do we teleport? Why specifically the last bonfire and not any bonfire or the nearest bonfire, which would make more sense for Homeward Bone? There must be something specific we do at those bonfires that connect us to the curse, at least the sign with it. And this goes back to the thing, okay, so let's determine the gameplay. So we've determined now with the Crestfallen Merchant that when you die, you don't respawn. You're supposed to just die in place. Yep. And I would tell people to recall the Dark Souls 1 cinematic with Anastasia. She has a dead, an ostensibly dead knight. She has that knight, she cradles him on her lap. And that knight then cuts from that knight and his hollow-like appearance to the dark sign kind of research, the fire, the flames of the, of the ring of the dark sign resurging and going back and that's and they juxtapose that with the talk about okay there's this undead curse where they're coming back so that's really what's going on with the 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 death and undeath aspect so then the question is okay so why what does losing our souls mean something Yes, it does in terms of it's reflecting an idea that is in lore which is that the dark sign 
being well dark it has this 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 soul feasting property to it it has this nature that just sort of it devours souls so it seems that when we are killed this seems to to some extent accelerate the and it's possible this is related to the concept of will because we have this idea where where hollows even hollows seem to be able to retain some sanity based on their their will and their ability to sort of hang on and this seems to be a theme in a lot of Miyazaki's games where he sort of puts in this idea that you kind of you kind of struggle on and you hold on and you kind of keep yourself anchored into your own into your own sanity um but then the problem becomes Okay, so we're losing our souls because the dark is eating them while we're knocked out. Okay, so then do we actually ever go back and get souls then? No, what happens is they made that a mechanic because they want to give some reward for players who play more carefully after they've already been killed and give them a chance so that they can get it back. It's not something that we'll see. And as for the aged feather and the homeward bone, both of those, and let me pull up the, the homeward bone in particular because I know I've got the text for it. So one of the things that needs that want, that you need to pay attention to is this line where it says these bones are part of they're part of the bones that you find fueling undead bonfires. So we can all agree that those that that most bonfires besides the lord vessel are are but made off of the the bones of the undead. Yeah, you can see then, bones in them as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you can't really deny that aspect that they're used and that's where they come from. And when these bones are 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 imbued with the power of homeward, it's a result that it's because feelings and it seems that feelings and power in dark souls isn't something that can be so just like constricted to like this this omniscient force separate force entity it's embedded into the reality of the universe um in many ways magic can be considered like a law it's 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 a, it actually it is it's very much a law of the universe yeah. in dark souls that's why the sorcerers study it like a science because this is basically them studying physics yeah and um, it's why logan and Seth can improve on it Yes, yeah. it's it's the idea of okay, we can make and we can build and we can develop and we can kind of kind of try to um try to understand the full breadth of the universe. So f like Seath's crystal magic would be the of the equivalent of like say quantum physics or something yeah. for a medieval society. And it'd be like, "Whoa, this is fucking insane." Um and then uh we get into the whole okay, so when the universe, when because power already existed when there was rock and fog, but then fire sort of kind of added its own thing to it. It, it added, it contextualized that power, but it did something really important too. It transferred power, and it it affected things. And we see this with embers. The principle behind embers is that you take it. It's based on the principles of smithing. We heat up the metal. And that causes the metal to become more malleable. That's the basics to smithing. And then mm. you make and you shape the metal into however you want. But in, in Dark Souls Embers specifically, and they're called coals in Dark Souls 3, but they're the same thing. Yeah. So, they're the same thing. Its idea is there's a seed fire that's doing that. So then we take that fire, and... We, we heat up the metal, and then what we do is we transfer the properties of that fire into the metal. So if you have a magic ember, it becomes a magic sword. That seems to be how it works, generally speaking. And that's how it's, 
it 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 sort of uses the it seems like heat and cold to some extent are are sort of like mediums for transferring power uh along the way so then homeward bone just takes that principle on and applies it to feelings where the feelings and emotions the conceptual has its own power and we we see this with faith and miracles the idea that your belief in convictions itself has a has a power to it and there's a lot to be said about like sort of the conceptual and sort of the metaphysics there but that's a separate that's an entirely separate topic so let's just focus on the idea that the magic power of 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 homeward of returning um to where you came from goes there so why is it that we go to the last bonfire we rested at and not say the nearest bonfire that's probably because the last bonfire we rested at is the bonfire that the player the character the player character is most familiar with at the time because that is their their last let's say their home their last settlement that's yeah. the last place they kind of pitched their tent and they squatted and said this is my home now cuz the idea of homeward like like the idea would be okay why does homeward why does the quote unquote curse twist homeward so that way you go to a bonfire instead of say your actual home in your homeland well, I would say, well, is it really twisting the curse? Because even the miracle doubt, doubts this. It's like, okay, is this really what's happening? Um, or is it that this is just what the the undead thinks of? Because Homeward is just taking you to what you... It's using what you perceive and what you conceptualize and what you imagine and you are convinced is your home as where it will take you in the end. And that's how Homeward works for normal people. What undead feel when it comes to to the bonfire is that they've been rejected by everyone in the world of man. Nobody loves them. Most people want to kill them, if not just throw them away. And they're if they're lucky, they're just exiled. So like, there's no really and even Dark Souls One, the Japanese text actually makes it really obvious. Um, a lot of the early um, keys and items like that. There's actually this recurring theme where it says, "Why are you?" going forward like why are you pressing onward through this undead asylum like why are you bothering to leave your cell there is nothing for you out there now eventually we find something because then oscar dies and he passes on our mission and oscar gave us freedom he's the only person we've had a connection to since we've been exiled and thrown into this prison so he's sort of the only thing we have an emotional tie to but the the same the same theme is running into the homeward bone of that everyone has rejected you, you have nowhere really to go, so the bonfire is your only place to really consider your home anymore, so that's why that works. It's the same concept with the aged feather, because um, as Shanalot, or as it says in the actual feather for Shanalot, is that, let me bring it up. No, I had this, I know I had this. Feather. Okay, I did. So the idea is it's an old bird a bolt an old bird feather and it returns you to the last bonfire same thing as um the homeward bone but it can be used repeatedly and the the idea to it is that the child of dragons that only knew the shut away life continued to entrust her longing for freedom to a feather that strayed from somewhere. So the idea let's say that Shanalot was locked into a prison and a feather just happened to fall into her I don't know cell room whatever it was. She was confined there and it's like okay what am I going to do with this? She wanted freedom. She wanted to have that world outside and be a bird who could just spread her wings and sort of just fly away and enjoy her life of freedom. And obviously she uses her manifestations and things in two to kind of get around and stuff like that. But she wants her own freedom. 
And as a manifest, as a result of that strong feeling of longing, of wanting that freedom, that power was transferred into the feather she had and gave it its own abilities. That's how we're able to, to use that same power. And that's the principles that we're going to. So it's not that the bonfires or the curse themselves are, are, are the origin of that. It's that other principles surrounding the curse and in part and in part because of the circumstances that arise from a curse cause these items to have these sort of powers that we can then take advantage of. Okay. So Thank yeah. Thank you. Yep. And that was a question from uh, Princess Fumbling Forward. So thank you for that question. And the next one is a good one. It's from Marty. And it's a really interesting one. <laughs> Richie, could you read it? Which one is this? Because it's a very long document. Okay, I'll send it. Is it the, is it the start of um, page two? Um, it's basically, it, it starts at the end of page one with what exactly is. Okay, okay. What exactly is the relation on Gwyn's actions or thoughts with regard to the Guinevere and Seath situation? Sometimes it seems like he endorses it, other times it seems he finds it shameful. That's a complicated one, because I'm not allowed to answer that in its entirety right now. Good. I, I, I hate those moments. Yeah. So I've talked about so it with you guys, too. Know. It's like, damn it. <laughs> but... Yeah. So how... So what's the... So what's the, the well, best Marty answer State, to this? I'm trying to think. Uh, you can see in the add-on below. Uh, Richie, could you read that? The one about Seath and Guinevere, starting there. Seath and Guinevere like uh, Seath and Guinevere likely procreate with Guinevere in order to create Priscilla. Consent, possibly not being involved, knowing Seath. Such results in Priscilla getting captured and brought to the undead asylum, presumably by Gwyn. Seath remains a duke and remains not executed despite such a controversy. Seath's daughter Shira is given a position in the Anolondo government despite her likely being the result of experimentation. Gwyn presumably imprisons Priscilla and proceeds to continue the hunt for dragons even during the Age of Fire, showing a continued disdain for them. Knowing that he dislikes dragons, an excuse for not killing the baby is that she is of royalty. Although, what about punishing Seath for such a crime? Well, here's the there's a few problematic inlaid assumptions there that are like the the the, the asker is half right in that there is a, there is a there are two Gwyn has had two different behaviors concerning Seath. The problem is he attributes them to the same source, and that's that's the issue. So one is, I can say for certain that, that Pris Shira, and by extension Priscilla, have no relation to experimentation. Right. There is nothing, there's nothing non-consensual or sort of, what's the word, um, uh, shady inherently to okay. their births. So that's something that we, that's something that we have to lay too. So the question is, okay, so what... Why? So then, okay. Why did Seath and Guinevere have this, 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 this so-called fling? Um, there's one thing that that for Priscilla, and the question I would say is, okay, we have to go back to Yorshka. Richard's favorite. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Richard. We're gonna have to talk That's about Yorshka. That's okay. As long as you're talking about Yorshka and people aren't asking me to explain Yorshka, it's fine. 
<laughs> okay, so the thing with Yorshka, because I, I can actually talk about Dark Souls 3. So Dark Souls 3, Yorshka, a lot of people seem to be caught up on the relationship that, oh, she and Gwendolyn are brothers. And, well, Yorshka's probably Priscilla's daughter, therefore all these other things that come into the whole relationship thing. Here's the problem there. Yorshka has no relation whatsoever to Gwendolyn. So far as um, being, like, siblings from the same, uh, from the same uh, father type of deal. Right. Because... <laughs> Gwendolyn is Gwendolyn is Gwyn's last born. He's the youngest child. He's the last child that he's ever had. Had Yorshka is Gwendolyn's younger sister. So if you so if they are siblings, they do not. It's not because they share a father. It's only because they share a mother. So we by that logic, we can conclude conclusively that Yorshka is Priscilla's. Uh, Priscilla's daughter, and that Gwendolyn is Priscilla's um, son. Wait, did I say that right? Yeah, I, said I that guess. Right, I yeah, yeah. So the the relationship that these two have is is as half siblings. Right. So they have they have the same mom. They have oh what. Yeah, wait, let me see if I got that right. Yes, yeah, they have the same mom. They have different dads. <laughs> this reminds me of when Rich explained <sighs> the cleric beast. This is amazing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so what I would say to you is that I, I, I ask that you, you go back and you, you, you think about the, the, the lineage question that you asked with Priscilla and Yorshka and Shira. Because that's how do you say that's a, it's a, it's very important that you you think about them as just being <laughs> a fucked up family with scandals but not the way you're you're thinking it and that that's going to answer a lot more questions as far that than what i could tell you straight up right so, now so just to ask you Richie and i have been thinking for a while that shira is his daughter so we're on the right track right <laughs> Yeah, there's for me I don't think there's much doubt. Um one of the yeah. most the most important thing I think people have picked up on in the English community is is that there's there, there's this interesting relationship. It's a little more obvious in the Japanese version. Um let me pick up the line it's from Shira. Um it's when she's she's talking about her relationship to her dad. Um what is it? She calls herself daughter of the duke, I, I believe so. it was. Yeah. Uh, mid-ear, 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 uh... Here it is. I'll send you guys the the line now. So this is what... This is what we've got here. So in the, in the original, we've got this, I've searched for thee, dark-stricken creature. I am Shira, daughter of the Duke, descendant of gods, and trusted friend of Meteor. At once I am the honor of the gods, the glory of fire, and the fear of the dark. Thou shalt not go unpunished for thy treachery, th thy profanity, and thy shameless yearning. And in the Japanese, it says, I've searched for you, dark, close humans. So you are human who is, of course, close to the dark, yeah. and that's that's been something we can discuss. And that's not really in, in doubt. I'm dis I am descendant of a god and daughter of a duke, Shira. So, and then that that's, and, th and then she, as a pause, and then she says, and then I, um, Midir's friend. 
And then afterwards, she then correlates what she just said. So she's a descendant of God. What does she correlate that to? She's the pride of the gods. Okay, that makes sense. If you are kind of mm -hmm. part of their lineage, you have that kind of right. noble, honorable pride. So then you say, you're the daughter of the duke. I am the dignity of fire. Okay, so that goes into, okay, so Seath is an honored, is an honored duke of the... Of the of the of the gods, and he is part of their society that is, of course, all built on fire. And the gods themselves are basically beings of fire, as far as where they draw their power from. So that again, that perfectly. And then finally, we get to he's Midir's friend, so therefore she's the fear of the dark. Because hey, I know this. I know a guy, <laughs> and he's gonna eat you. Um, <laughs> that's that that that's essentially what she's saying. I know a guy. Um, uh, and, and and as she and then she closes that sentence off by saying it is all within me. So she's basically saying that my lineage, my my lineage and associate my associations more like it, and that ties into her lineage. All make me this thing that is going to be something that I cannot forgive you for your sacrilegious and reverent behavior and terrible, terrible, dark, blah blah blah. You're you evil. know what that reminds um, me of? When Sailor Moon is about to kick someone's butt, she has this whole speech that she says. Yeah. yeah. Shira just wanted to be a sailor scout, that's all. <laughs> well, she's a magical girl, isn't she? I mean, she's got, like, lightning arrows, so... Yeah. Oh, she does have this thing on her, the the crown from the man-eater shell or man-eater pearl. Like Sailor Moon. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it, all, it all ties together. She's just, like, the M-rated sailor scout. <laughs> The what? The M-rated sailor. Oh wait, the. Do you guys have that? Uh, the, sorry, American American oh. rating system. I guess my bad. I forget. I forget. I forget. I'm with. I'm with foreigners. <laughs> no, we have M here. Oh, you have M in uh, in in Austria. Yeah. Okay. You have yeah. what? M. Rated M for mature. Oh yeah, yeah. It would be the equivalent of PG thirteen. Yeah. Okay. To the point where, like, we get, like, Star Wars movies that are M here, so technically children aren't supposed to see them. What? Because <laughs> we don't have PG-13, we just go PG-M. Wow, like the new that's... Star Wars? Yeah. So, like- Um, I don't know if the most recent one, but, like, some of the prequel trilogy was M. You, you like, kids weren't supposed to see like it. Like, the prequels with the- because I know in, yeah, in the U.S., I know M. only episode three was PG-13. Like, all the other films got PG. Yeah. And then... Has that changed with the new films? Like, are any of the new films, like... Well, because we go PG, then M, then M-A, then R. What's M-A, then? So, so like, like, is it, like... M-A MA is absolutely restricted to 15 or over. M is, like, this is not enforced, but you're not, you're not supposed to see it. Okay. It'd be the, like the difference between PG and PG thirteen, basically. Okay, that seems yeah. kind of weird though. Yeah. Like, why would you even? Never mind. I'm. I'm yeah, not we didn't it. have yeah. that stuff back in Russia when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we were watching whatever we wanted. Apparently, my dad, when I was like little, like a baby or whatever, my dad would watch like scary movies like Alien and I guess Freddy Krueger, but he'd be too scared to watch alone. So he'd be like, "I'd have you like next to me, like my baby, watching a scary oh, movie yeah, with." because yeah. i'm too scared Aww. that explains a lot <laughs> no. yeah it does <laughs> uh, 
crazy. <laughs> crazy Russians. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Well there's alright, so as part of that there's actually there's two other things that I noticed was that um was that to that question there was two things that were being said that I thought were worth discussing. One was that they thought the only idea I can think of for why why Gwyn doesn't execute Seath for the scandal he caused is to why he would not want to eliminate him is that to have Cavill captured Priscilla and brought her to the undead asylum, and that's why he got over. And his answer was, since he was a bishop from most likely the way of white and disliked dragons, that would be the only other suspect and motive I can think of. With the black knights, we find they're eventually not being guards, but knights sent to retriever. So I have two things, so I have those two topics, the Havel aspect and the black knight aspect. So the black knight aspect, let's go through first, because I think that's the easiest one. I don't I don't under I'd like to understand why they un they think they're there as guards because I've always understood that that's just because they wander and they showed up there. So yeah, the um one of the plans they never went with with Dark Souls was that the knights wouldn't be leashed to one area and they would actually just wander around Lordran. And that would have been. A but they ended up leashing them. Yeah, yeah probably because they didn't have the technology with all the way they do. They set up areas and stuff yeah. to have them yeah. like spawn in, spawn out, and stuff like that. Yeah, you, you you can see that still in the item descriptions where it just says that they they wander Lordran yeah. very specifically. Yeah, and that yeah. seems to be what the 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 asylum was intended to do. You go to a later version of the asylum, and now the Black Knights have wandered there, and they they're they're yeah. fucking up the place. And a lot of the more stuff have gone there. So I don't see the idea that they're guards, and I don't see why they would be there to free Priscilla, especially since Priscilla's been in the painted world. Pro ha well, she kind of has to be in the painted world since before um, the events of the fire linking and all that, which would burn the knights and turn them into mindless. So I, I, I'm not, I, I don't really understand that motivation. And then the other aspect is the Havel one. Because I've, I've talked to this with both of you before yeah, the Havel yeah. so thing situation. So for those that haven't seen my podcast with Don't Give Up Skeletons on um on that or seen my Reddit post on the subject, Havel is not a bishop. He's a well, he's not even a priest. He he's he has priests. Um there are priests of Havel in the same way there are priests of Velka and priests of Gwendolyn and priests for the way of White and Lloyd. Um the idea is that Havel, Havel's probably, in my estimation, Havel is a silver knight. Um, they're the ones we see fighting beside Gwyn in the cinematic. He was a comrade in arms to them. We later learn even more that he's associated with characters such as Leto, a silver knight. So it seems to me, and there's really, and so there's really nothing there to substantiate the idea that he's, um, uh, say, a, a priest of the way of white, or even human. Um, and I go over that more detail in the post, but the general gist would be that we don't ever meet Havel. We always meet warriors of Havel. And there were warriors of Havel who worshipped Havel and imitated his weapons and armor and rings, and they wear that. And then there are priests of Havel who, imitate, who imitated his miracles, because, well, he imparted them to him to them, and they were these very fervent devotees who then taught it. Now, what the Way of White did, and this will segue into a, another topic I'd like to discuss, and that's um, the Way of White took the Havel miracles, and then they simplified them. And this was completely cut out of the English localization, and this really pissed me off. 
<laughs> it really did. Because it's a kind of important to understand it. Is that Way of White... It's the same thing with, um, what's it called, like, Great Heel, and then there's, like, Great Heel, like, I don't know, like, 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 uh... Great Heel excerpt. Yeah, excerpt. excerpt. The idea, yeah. it's the same concept there. The Way of White takes these big, complicated miracles that require you to have a lot of faith, and you gotta really memorize these super long stories. And that's obviously only something that really good, high-ranking, really devoted priests can do, unless you're Petrus, because Petrus is an asshole, and you, he can't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> um... Uh, but what happens is the way of white was like, okay, well, no one can use these things except our elites. That's kind of a problem because, you know, we're supposed to be healing the sick and helping and doing all that. Okay, let's simplify this great heal miracle only known by these super high-ranking priests and bishops or whatever. And then we'll, we'll distribute that to the people. And then that's what they did with the heal. So they did the same thing with Havel's great magic barrier. And the reason was and this is echoed again in 3, is because they, they were in a circumstance where it was necessitated for them to... What's the word? Uh, uh, spread it among the masses of their warriors. So every common warrior right. had to be able to use some sort of magic protection spell. And it was like, okay, this isn't going to be as good as, say, Havel's great magic barrier that his priests use, but it's going to be good enough. And we see that the warriors of Havel, there's that warrior of Havel who was had a friend who locked him up when he hollowed in the tower. And I've talked about that in that scenario. And that friend yeah. seems to be the blacksmith who has the key yeah. to, you know, because, you know, he locked him up. Yeah, and it's a divine blacksmith yeah. specifically. Yeah, so it's part of, yeah. it's a blacksmith for the Way of White. So it seems there's some association between, let's say, the cult of Havel and, say, the Way of White as the established church under Lloyd's authority. And they've kind of been collaborating. And we see a similar thing with Guinevere. We see some of, like, some lesser miracles that seem to be, like, downgraded versions of Guinevere's great miracles. The holy women wear outfits which were intentionally designed with Guinevere's own uh, attire in mind, as we can see in concept art. So there, there's this sort of collaboration going in. But that, that's where it gets into the interesting part. Okay, so why was it that the Way of White suddenly felt the need that they had to make sure there was anti-magic spells among their common soldiers. That would imply that they were feeling they were fighting a huge magic force. There was this wide magic force, and they need their army as a whole to have some protection against it. Okay, so that's a good... So that's a, Okay, so we need a, something where... There's there's a there's a, 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 a an army of magic users that or sorcerers that they would have to do so. And Dark Souls Three echoes this in the with the spell in three. It's the same. If I think it's the very same spell, even um, it says, "Hey, there was a time when when the pre when like the holy warriors or or priests of the Way of White and sort of sorcerers were at war with each other for a very short time." Uh, Okay, so we so Dark Souls three reaffirms that there was in fact the conflict. So the and this is a general trend you'll notice with three is that it makes a lot of things that were implicit more explicit, and that's just how the Soul yeah. series seems to have progressed the games. It was like, well, we've kind of hit a wall after one. What do we do? Well, we'll just keep on rehashing the same thing, but make it more obvious until people get it, and people still don't get it. So it's like, fuck. <laughs> it's like, what do what do we do? We make Sekiro. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. That, that that that's the real reason there's no Dark Souls four. From software just gave up trying to ba bash our heads in with with the lore. Um, 
Uh, so then, okay, so we go, now this goes into my thing. So I've been wanting to work on my Logan Reddit post, and thankfully I got my sutures out, so now it's like, yay, I can finally cool. work on that that without any freaking having to, like, walk on a terrible foot. But the Logan post has actually goes into this, and it's important because it's part of Logan's lore. There's a few, oh, hang on, let me open that. <laughs> I, sh I knew I should have copy-pasted that thing to send to you guys first. Oh, well, let me let me grab it uh, first. What are you looking for? No, it's it's it should be my delete later. Yeah, this should be it. Uh, you know what? Let me just look Logan. You're, like, hoarding I... lore. <laughs> yeah, I, like, hoard all these posts. <laughs> uh, Vinheim post. Okay, it's Vinheim post delete later. Okay, good. So let me just send, like, the... Simple version, version to you guys here. I love this drag and drop thing. This is like the greatest thing I've ever seen in existence. Yeah, Richie, I taught that Loki. I taught that to Loki that you can drag and drop files in Discord. Yeah, I feel so proud. Yeah, I feel like I contributed wow. to society as well as the community. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> so okay, let me go back. So back to my ranting, I guess. <laughs> Uh, sorry guys <laughs> no it's all good you're actually like clearing stuff up and Dark Souls is starting to make sense oh no we can't have that let's go back to everything being <laughs> it's, convoluted it's not supposed to make sense <laughs> <Yeah>. remember <laughs> it's all convoluted even, even Yorshka is starting to make sense Richie maybe that will rekindle your love for her <laughs> <laughs> Richie didn't even Baby. laugh at this one just like Baby no Steph. not funny sin <laughs> Well, my my relationship with Yoshka is a bit more complicated than she doesn't make sense. <laughs> Listen, good girls are worth fighting for, okay? <laughs> but she's not. <laughs> uh, Rich is just salty because he spent an entire long weekend getting either like fingers or feet or ears or noses for Yoshka. Yeah, the ears. The ears. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a fun platinum. It was your choice, Richie. She didn't force you to do it. She just sits yeah. there in a chair and does nothing. <laughs> So it was literally all you. I I just want to know why why we don't tell her. Hey, there's this invisible bridge we jumped off. We can get you out of here. Like you know, save you from your I like. I told hell her. I was screaming at the screen for 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing it's happened. Like hey hey no. I I, I just want to say the Ashen one is a closet asshole. Like he just <laughs> wants everyone to suffer and he enjoys it. Like he just sits there in his sadism. Like I'm I'm certain the canonical ending is we just fucking stab the the firekeeper in the back, then step on her head and be like. Ha ha! Gotcha, bitch. <laughs> oh, God. Like that. Like that. That is that is my head cannon for the for the okay. for how the Ashen One behaves because it's the only thing that makes sense considering the amount of I don't give a shit moments he seems to have. Well, well, what yeah. what kind of I don't give a shit moments? <laughs> my Ashen but, One is a very caring human being. Apparently not caring enough to save poor Yorshka. No, that's Richie. <laughs> <laughs> in my game, in my version, actually, no, I lied before. In my version, she does come to the shrine with me. Oh, oh, oh! I see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we get married. <laughs> we have a beautiful ceremony. <laughs> <sighs> poor Henri got left out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Just waits in the tomb for all eternity. Is, is he slash she coming yet? Yeah. 
But when you say you marry Yoshka, yeah. did you like marry her or did you stab her through the face with a well, sword? Well, that was the second part that I was getting at. <laughs> and there's only one way to get married in Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah. Is there a difference? I mean, come on, Richard. We all have. You have. To, we've all got going to go through a marriage ceremony where we just stab <laughs> our beloved through the chest in order to obtain dark powers. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Were you guys traumatized? Were you, I guess maybe you may have expected something like that because you guys played Dark Souls One. I never did. So when it was like press X for something, I was like expecting something good to happen. It's like wake up the prin- wake up the princess. Yeah. Exactly. And then <laughs> she'll never wake up again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I have trust issues. It's all Miyazaki. Because we recorded a two and a half hour podcast with Loki about translations. We did. Yeah, and your suggestion to separate it into three parts was really good, so I did it. Yeah, okay. But that means we only have one intro for part one and one outro for part three. So we're missing intros and outros in between. Okay. So so we got to do them. Why don't you do them? I knew you would. Fuck you, bitch! I control your life! I'm shy. <laughs> so, one outro that we need is I need you to say, uh, this. This was episode three of The Snack Covenant, and part one of three of Dark Souls Translations with Loki. Part two is coming up, and Loki is going to talk about Logan, the Dragon School, and a couple of other things. For this episode, the co- code word. For this episode, the code word, Loki. Okay, can you now read it in a way that it doesn't sound like you read it? This was episode three of the Snack Covenant. (laughs) (laughs) This was episode three of the Snack Covenant. Uh, Part one of three of Dark Souls translations with... This was episode three of the Snack Covenant. Part one of three of Dark Souls translations with Loki. Part two is coming up and Loki is going to talk about Logan, the Dragon School and a couple of other things. For this episode, the code word is Loki. Thank you. <laughs> you should be doing, um, you should be doing like commercials. Yeah, my cousin um, did commercials, and it sounds nothing like her. To the point where I, I was like, "Is this? Are you lying? Are you just pretending this is you?" But it, it is her. <laughs> oh snap! Mm. Oh, also, also, Richie, you have to tell people to look in the description for stuff. What, what, what am I telling you to look in the description for? Just whatever stuff. Just, like, look in the description. Look in the description for whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is going well. Great outro. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> we have to do an intro. I guess I'll read this one. because You, you just read this it. one. <laughs> I can do better than that. I'm no longer shy of because of what a horrible job you just did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just leave this whole thing in. <laughs>